Welcome to episode 79 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Today I talk with the director of the Sharpstown Apollo Drill Team and the strength conditioning coach at Sharpstown High School in Houston, Texas, Coach Aislinn Garza. We discuss the benefits of competitive dancers and performers engaging in strength training, stepping into a role to serve the greater school population, the mindset of a high school teenage female, and more. Coach Garza is a great young coach in the SNC profession with her and with her drill team. Make sure to follow her and the Apollo Queens on Twitter and Instagram. You can find those links in the show notes. Before we step into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show and Twitter and Instagram at HWCN Podcast. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners, a special 10% off promo is available for you. Use code PODCAST at checkout. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp dress man. Check out etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat bench or deadlift is, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN for a 10% off discount on single purchases. Check out vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hangin' with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee. Work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Now, let's get into today's episode with Coach Aislinn Garza. On this episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by Coach Garza. She is the director of the Apollo Queens. No, not the one in New York. Uh, the one in Houston, Texas, the Sharpstown Apollos, the dance team there. And she is also the strength conditioning coach. Uh, so, Coach Garza, thanks for taking the time to hop on with me and talk. Uh, this has been one of the episodes I've been looking forward to uh, happening this season. Um, I think you are somebody that's an up and comer in the profession. You're doing a lot of great work and you're doing at a place that's typically not um, ahead of the curve on some things, I would say, in, in terms of where you're located and the resources that you guys have. So I applaud you guys for doing the things that you're doing. Thanks. So, you know, kind of tell everybody who you are, what, what exactly that you do, um, you know, and what kind of is so unique about the place that you're at and what you're doing. Cause, cause I think it's, it's different. I think it's unique um, just based on the demographics and whatnot um, that typically don't get this kind of attention. Um, so yeah, I am actually the dance director. I direct the drill team um, at Sharpstown. I came to Sharpstown two years ago to uh, take over and kind of revitalize the dance program as a whole. And um, I think what is kind of special is that I didn't come over to Sharpstown as a strength and conditioning 
um, coach or specialist or anything. Um, I literally just came over to revitalize the dance program. And when I got there, because of my background in exercise phys and uh, just a really like love and passion for exercise physiology and science for myself. And I was training um, clients outside of school. I started looking at my dancers from a real exercise science-y perspective, um, noticing where they had deficiencies that were affecting them um, in their skills and abilities. And I found out through, you know, meeting different coaches and teachers on the campus that, you know, the weight room had never been used with the dancers. Um, they weren't in the habit of practicing any type of strength fundamentals or conditioning fundamentals. It was all dance. And as a lifetime dancer, um, I have grown in my thought process when it comes to applying movement science to performing arts. Um, growing up, I thought that to have the best skills and to have the best tricks and to have the best everything, you just really had to practice those things. And it wasn't until I was much older that I started applying exercise science principles to the things that I wanted to do. And it was just infinitely helpful to me. So I started doing that with those girls and um, with that team and it paid off. Like we were able to return to contests, which if you're, if you're not a performing arts person uh, or you're not like a fine arts person, contest for us is in the spring after football season. And we go to these different like level contests um, where we compete and uh, our team, the Apollo Queens actually hadn't been back there in, I think 12 years. It was 12 years since they had been to a contest and 15 years since they had brought home any type of hardware. So any type of placement or anything like that. And uh, we had a, we had, have um, a really small team and we were able to come home this past year with two state titles, which was really great. Um, and a lot of that was contributed by, to the strength and conditioning we were doing. Our dancers were just stronger. They were mentally stronger. And I think what's significant is that, um, you know, we actually didn't use the weight room. Everything we used for strength and conditioning was agility based or body weight based. And we just focused on building ourselves that way. And then it wasn't until uh, March of last year, our head football coach at the time, Coach Ojeda, um, asked me to come in with, I have a background in Olympic weightlifting. I'm still currently um, training in Olympic weightlifting. And he asked me to come in and work with football to help just be more efficient and more explosive with the clean. So I did a clean clinic for a couple days and I helped the kids with that. And I just started showing up to help and just help energy pathways and help all these things for these kids to deliver the most efficient and effective movement and also corrective exercise where necessary. I mean, coach, you know that by the time they get to high school, a lot of kids are already not moving well, um, especially in our area. So just doing a lot of corrective exercise and, and movement rehab almost. Um, and shortly after that, coach Oheva advocated for me to our athletic coordinator to put me in charge of strength and conditioning for all of all of our sports. And I've been doing that ever since, which has been very stressful, but very fun. <laughs> and um, kind of what you said, I, I do work at a school that is a title one school. Um, our school is in an area that serves a really high population of low socioeconomic status kids. Um, we 
a lot of times do not get the attention that I feel like we deserve, but working in this area and working with these kids made me realize that there are so many other things, um, so many needs that have to be met before they meet me in the weight room. Um, one of the most significant things that I find with my kids is that they are um, just underfed in general. I'm what teenager is not underfed. Um, but we have to constantly have the, the, the discussion that no, a giant bag of Thakis is not an acceptable breakfast. Um, like you can have the Thakis, but maybe like also eat some other stuff too. Um, and that's something that we, I didn't necessarily account for in the beginning. Um, and we've had to like account for because my kids are no good in the weight room if they don't have anything to be fueled on. My kids are no good in the weight room if they were working all night and then got up and came to school this morning. So they've only had like 45 minutes of sleep. Um, just things that from my experience growing up and growing up in a very privileged position to have all the things, all the nutrients that I needed and all the sleep that I needed to be able to go and perform that I had to adjust my thinking for as a strength coach and make sure that I was accommodating for those things. So um, I'm very lucky to have the, the job that I have at no other school in the world could I be uh, the head dance director and also the head strength and conditioning coach. So I'm very thankful that they make it work for me. No, and I think that that's awesome. And you know, I, I don't know if the kids truly understand the value that you provide to them. Of course, we all, I think we all wonder that as, as teachers and coaches, you know, do they have any clue of just the, the resources that are at their disposal comparative to what we had? Um, but then you kind of have those conversations with former athletes and students later on in life and they can approve they can they can then articulate their appreciation which you know makes it worthwhile but i i think the fact that they're getting it now is so critical based on what's going on in the world right now in terms of just combating this ever going um I don't want to use the word, the pandemic word, but this ever going cycle that we are constantly in. Um, and uh, it's funny, I stepped in to uh, watch a class uh, for another coach while he went to go get his daughter because they shut down after school care uh, due to short staffing. And then obviously uh, right here in the Austin area, it's like 30 something degrees outside. So it's freezing cold. But, uh, you know, and he, he was, um, they watched, he's a social studies. And so they watched the CNN 10 every morning and they were talking about um, drug overdosing and how much higher it had gone in the last two years. And I guess, this, so this kind of leads into my, my question to you in terms more specifically to your dancers, but what is it that you have seen with you coming in now and working with these kids and being able to go to competitions and contests and not just be there, but compete and then not just compete, but win knowing that 
you've added in this extra layer of exercise, like true strength exercising on top of the choreography. Like, how do you think that that's evolved them as, as people, as human beings? Um, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever really thought about it, but I guess if we, I were to think we, about we, it, we dive deep on the podcast and it may be <laughs> right off the bat. So sorry. No, that's good. Um, I think if I were to really think about it, just the level of confidence that my dancers have has skyrocketed. Um, you know, the transformation from last year to this year has been a complete 180. Um, you know, I don't know who's listening to this podcast and probably like, what are these words you're saying even mean? But for me, like when you see the drill team in the stands at a football game, they're wearing their field uniform. And this year compared to last year, when they put on that field uniform, they become like a totally different person. It's like, no, now I am this. And their, their shoulders are pressed back and their chins are up and they're an Apollo queen. And a lot of that has to be tied directly to just being more confident in their bodies and who they are as people. I mean, I was a high school girl and I will be the first one to tell you that shit sucked. And if somebody, if anybody, when I was a high school girl had taught me to be confident in my body's ability to be relentless in my pursuit of strength and relentless in the pursuit of what my body is capable of doing. Um, I feel like I could have had a, a different high school experience and it's nice. It's nice to see dancers, you know, and right now my team is all girls and it's nice to see dancers who traditionally value being thin they value being weighing less. They value under eating. They value all of the negative things. And I know this because I valued that growing up. And I mean, I'll be honest, I was never built to be a small person. I was never built to be a tall, skinny ballerina. I have always been built like I am the person who needs to help you move. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> And if, if I had had that, then I think I would have had a very different experience. And I think that knowing that their bodies are strong, knowing that they are capable dance wise of skills and tricks that other people are not capable of simply because they are stronger is like transformative for them. And they walk a little straighter and they walk a little taller and, you know, things they value PRs too. Like I said, we don't spend a lot of time loading them up under barbells. We spend no time loading them up under barbells, but they value personal records too. They value being able to hold a minute 30 plank, which is really important for building our core and, you know, driving down into the ground for pirouette turns. And it's really important when you want to start doing more advanced skills. Um, they really value getting their sprint times lower because dancing is literally a bunch of sprints in a two minute period. Um, and just to see like 
I wish I could put you in my pocket and you could see what they were last year compared to what they are this year, because it feels almost like last year they were like, yes, like I'm a dancer. That's cool. But this year it's like, no, I dance. I take this seriously. This is part, it's now it's training. It's no longer, I just go to practice. No, now we're training. And the fact that we have this regimen, like we go to practice, we stretch, we warm up, we do these things. We might have a, a small strength component. We might have a little bit longer strength component. And then we transition to practice where, you know, comparable to a sport, we practice our dances the same way anyone else practices or runs plays or runs routes, um, any of that. And then we go to a field of contests and, you know, you know, you know, this nothing feels better than a win after a really long time of losing. And so this year, not only has their confidence grown, but when it comes to contests, their attitude is totally different. They're acting like they've been here before because they have, and they've won. And that's a nice feeling. So I think just the role that strength and showing them what it's like to be strong is just immeasurable. It's just, it's a total game changer for them. Have you guys had, um, y'all haven't had any actual solo dance contest yet. Have you, um, like, so like this school year? No. So our first one was supposed to be, um, January 29th. Um, but it got adjusted due to the panini um <laughs> so we should be headed to one on february 12th and then one another one on february 19th um and then actually kind of an adjustment uh the one in january got moved to april typically our contest season is not that long our contest season is usually done at the end of february and then we have tryouts uh for the next year so we will be doing that same thing, but then our old girls will still do the one in April. So it'll just be kind of an adjustment. So I would be curious. Um, now we're recording this episode on uh, January 20th. Um, and I, I don't have the date offhand of when it, it's scheduled to air. I think it's somewhere in between your adjusted competition dates and contest dates. But I would be curious to circle back and ask you the question after compared to right now. So, so I'm going to ask you the question, and you'll have to give me your best projected answer. And then I want to come back and, you know, we may, uh, you know, just either put it out on the Twitterverse or whatever, because I think it'll be pretty close to what you're going to project to. But my question would be, Knowing how you saw them enter into the contest last year, and now they've won, and now they're a year older, they're they're a little bit stronger. How do you project them to carry themselves? Because I think that that's such a key component. My, my sisters um, were both in in the performing arts, um, and, and my middle sister danced uh for the longest um so i have a very like a very small frame of reference um mm -hmm. partially be most obviously because of her but 
Um, I didn't pay attention because I had to be drugged to their stuff and I didn't want to, particularly during Christmas season and Nutcracker. Like, you didn't want to watch the pretty girls dance. What the heck? (laughs) I'd be at home watching like sports or just not there. Like, no. That's okay. Um, I was the dancer and I wanted to be home watching sports. (laughs) But, but I I just, I, I do remember and I do recall seeing that um how they carry themselves much the same way like just any athlete in general like when you are a year older a little strong you know stronger and you have an and you you have an idea of what to expect right of that competition your mindset is different the way in which people look at you then becomes different because you're like they they understand like these people are not walking in shook they're the ones that might shake others you know um there and, and you guys probably don't have anything from an underdog standpoint I, I don't know how fiercely competitive it gets per se you know the rivalry type stuff versus just simply like Obviously, you won these this hardware last year, so people are aware of who the Apollo Queens are, and your goal is to repeat it. So I would just be curious to, to what you think your girls are going to project from a confidence standpoint, from a swagger standpoint, like all these things that have kind of grown over this past year to when you walk into that first contest and you know, you, you just kind of turn them loose. Um, I think that we will have an interesting dynamic because I have such a huge gap in age on my team. So I have half of my, half of my team is seniors that I've been working with since last year. Cause last year was my first year. And then the other half of my team is literally freshmen <laughs> um, who uh, either, you know, it's hard to like, say, I know just based on, and I'm, I'm really basing like the freshman, uh, projection off how football season went because football season, you know, for you guys, it's like, that's your contest, but for us, that's our practice. (laughs) So every field routine is a practice on how we're going to perform and present ourselves. And, um, how we're going to take care of, you know, the pressure of performing in front of people. And it's a lot. Um, I think those seniors from last year are definitely going to, and they have over this, the course of this year and everything take a more like almost maternal role with the freshmen, um, you know, comforting them. Hey, there's nothing to worry about. Hey, we got this. Um, they are really big fans of film studies. So we, you know, record what we do at practice and then we look at it and then they will point out, well, I did this here and can we go over this there? Um, So we do like film study. And I think that that, I think this year we'll just walk in, they'll walk in more prepared, just knowing this is what it's like. um, And this is what it's going to be like. And when we're out there, this is how we're going to handle this. And then they, over the course of the year, and I fully expect them to do this at contest, will kind of ease our little freshmen into it and, and say, hey, like, 
don't be scared. You know, we're going to do this. Um, now at the first one on the, on the February 12th one, I would be interested and I am interested to see if they want to watch the other teams because we have that opportunity. Like we can watch other teams before we go. Um, personally as a performer, when I was in high school, I didn't want to watch anyone. I just wanted to sleep in the corner and be left alone. Um, but that's a, that's an interesting point. As you were talking about that, like, I would wonder, you know, obviously for all, like almost everybody from an athletic standpoint, at least from a team setting standpoint, you want to see your opponent, right? You want to scout and, and, and all that. But I guess as you move more towards the individual side of things, it really matters less about your opponent and strictly more about you obviously i guess if you were like a nascar racer you want to know who does what in terms of the race and i don't know hardly anything about nascar except go fast and turn left and have a good pit crew um but but, you know you you know if, if you're on the golf course it matters what the other person does to an extent from a score standpoint. But if you are having a bad game, well, then it doesn't matter what the other person is doing. You're the one in control of your game. So that is, that is an interesting um, statement is what would they do? Do they want to watch other teams or do they just want to be in and focus on themselves? Um, I think one of the most difficult things, cause it is like contest is, It translates to sport, but like you said, it is kind of an individual thing. And I think what people, you know, unlike a sport like gymnastics, let's just say, um, in early round, uh, when you're a young gymnast and you're on levels one through 10 or whatever, um, you know, there are designated skills as like a gymnast that like at that level judges are looking to judge like your ability to complete XYZ skill. Right. Um, and once you become an elite gymnast and you're above those levels, that's when variables start coming into play. Um, so if I'm competing against Simone Biles, let's just say poor me, but, um, she is throwing like the hardest skills in the world but she doesn't perform them well, I can be throwing much easier skills, but if I perform them well, then I might beat her score. And it's the same thing in the dance world that I think people don't understand. And that's why, like, I personally don't like to um, watch other teams because if I see a team that's throwing all these like really difficult skills In my brain, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they just, their whole team just did 16 all-a-sacon turns. But if the judges saw the turns and they looked like crap, well, then they just got a bunch of points off because of that. But I don't know that as a spectator. Um, And then if my team only has one little single pirouette, which is just like a one little turn, Um, but we were all in unison and our posses were pulled up and we were all perfect. 
well, we might get a better score and actually beat them out than the than the more difficult skill just because we executed it better. Um, and that's something that we really drive home. And it actually kind of relates to strength because we are doing our strength around the fact that we are going to get every single technical detail perfect. We're not going to put anything in a dance that we haven't trained for extensively, both in the skill perspective and in a strength perspective. So if even if we're doing an easier skill, you can bet we're going to do it perfectly um, because we trained our bodies for that. We're not going to throw skills out there that we're not prepared for in skill or in strength. Um, and I think that gives our girls a lot more just confidence walking in. Like we have done this so many times and coach has broken this apart into so many different components and made us so strong in all these different components that how can we possibly get it wrong? Um, and so I'm hopeful, fingers crossed <laughs> that, um, they will walk into these contests and know that they're, they're prepared for them. And, you know, of course it's always dance is a little different. Unfortunately there, yes, there is a score, but it's not an objective score. It's very subjective. Um, and I know that your sister's dance, I don't know if you know how like scoring works, but we usually get like a score sheet and a talk tape. So the judges like talk to us while they're judging so we can go over their feedback. Um, but we just, I hope that they'll just be confident enough to know that they're going to put their best performance on their, on the floor. Um, cause that's one thing that last year, it was just the unknown. We hadn't been to contests in 12 years. Like it was like, none of the kids on my team had ever seen contests before in their lives. So they were just like, oh my gosh, are we going to do this? Well, like, oh, what do we do? And I won't lie. Like when we, when we won, they, my girls were like, us, the Apollo Queens. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, y'all, us, we, <laughs> and they were like, for real. And yeah, so hopefully we can get away from that who us mentality. And we're like, no, it's us. We earn this. Um, and just having that confidence to walk out on the floor and have those skills. Yeah. No, oh, I, I think that that's exactly what, um, happens uh for you guys you know and, and over these next uh coming weeks um you know i wish you guys all the best uh and and such so switching gears and now you're in charge of strength for all of athletics right and that's a challenge in and of itself that I still don't think people truly understand what in what goes into actually developing a quality strength program or a quality conditioning program. Like it's not just a random assortment of exercises, right? And you're not, you don't need to dive super technical into anything, but just how was that transition? particularly at a place that may or may not have used the weight room much in certain athletic programs. Obviously football is always going to live in the weight room. It's just that's built into the culture of football, but we've had to break the culture of baseball and basketball 
Like it's okay to lift. You're not going to get huge. And then uh, like you talked about early on, like breaking that culture with the girls and letting them know, like, it is okay for you to get in there and lift and be strong. And yes, your body's going to adapt, but the, the intangible goals or the intangible rewards that come with these adaptations far exceeds that physical, you know, perception uh, that unfortunately plagues high school teenagers on both sides. But uh, I, I think particularly on the female side um, that just every day is such a fluctuation of, you know, how do I look and, you know, am I presentable? How do I feel? And, and so it's, so how has that been as you've grown into this role throughout this year um, and just kind of going from those clean clinics to now running the whole show? Um, it's definitely been exhausting. Can I say that? It's, mm-hmm. I'm tired. Um, it has been exhausting, but I'm very, very thankful. Uh, you know, when it came to football, my head coach already had a really great strength program um, that he was using. And, you know, I'm very lucky that uh, Coach Ojeda uh, is very open-minded and he's very receptive to feedback. So when we would go through the strength programming that he already had, he would ask, you know, well, what do you think about this? Can we make this better? How can we do that? And so it kind of started, at least with football, with like small adjustments that turned into larger adjustments. Um, And just me getting used to like, okay, this is how we're going to run things for this particular sport. When it came to other sports, because you're right, um, we did not have a a very big weight room culture in any other sport. Um, The first thing I did with at least girls last year was talk with um, the coaches of the girls teams and just kind of ask them, hey, you know, communication to me is really important, especially with sports specific coaches, because as a strength coach, like I can make kids lift weights all day and I can have them see gains all day. But if it's not the gains that their coaches want, then it's kind of a moot point. And if it's not the gains that are helping them on the field or the court or, you know, the field of play in general, then the coaches aren't going to want to have their kids work with me. Uh, I'm not a powerlifting coach. I'm just a strength coach. So, um, you know, communicating with the girls coaches first really, really helped just sitting down and asking, what do you need? Where are you struggling? What does your team struggle with? You know, softball, are your kids able to hit the ball, but they're never able to get it, you know, past the pitcher's mouth. How can I help you? You know, well, I can help you by doing this. Um, and asking them about sports specific problems that they were having. Uh, a lot of my coaches mentioned, well, we, I have issues with my kids getting hurt all the time. They're always spraining their ankles. Well, that's, you know, significant to me in the strength world. Um, basketball, I'm having issues because I'm having a lot of really huge injuries. That's significant. Um, and as a strength coach, that's my job. My job is to recognize where players are not seeing success on the field of play and then filling those gaps. Um, you know, I've had to learn a lot. There are a lot of things that, uh, 
a year into being the head strength coach, the person who is the go-to, um, I have learned and adjusted and shifted based on talking to other coaches. I spend a lot of time listening to other coaches talk about what they're doing or creeping on Twitter and seeing what other people are doing and finding ways that I can implement that into my program. Um, things that I just would have never thought about. Um, and it's really been, honestly, that it hasn't been as hard as I expected it to be. Probably the hardest thing, the first hardest thing was getting the girls to buy in. And honestly, I did that by starting last year toward the end of the year. I kind of started uh, our summer SAC sessions for girls athletics actually in May. We started meeting twice a week after school for just like SAC camp and it was completely optional. Um, I just told, I've marketed it to the girls athletes and I said, Hey, come out, let's work on doing this. Let's, you know, let's see how it goes. And of course I got girls that said, well, I don't want to lift weights cause it's going to make me bulky. And I was like, those hot Cheetos make you bulky. So there's that. Um, but I mean, it was incredible, the transformation, because once they got used to coming twice a week, well, then it started turning into, well, how come we can't come three times? Well, how come we can't come four times? And then, so when we opened it up for the summer, I mean, we had girls in there every single day, every chance they could get sometimes twice a day. I had girls showing up to be in the morning session and then coming to the afternoon so that they could be my intern coach and they could de be the demo girl. They wanted to be a, the demo person, which was great because I just had surgery. So I could not demo anything. Um, but that was probably the hardest thing. I would say the second hardest thing was um, convincing basketball boys to squat below parallel. That was the second hardest thing I had to do. And once I overcame that, I felt like I could overcome the world. Um, but honestly, like the transition has not been as hard as I thought it would be. And I think part of the reason why was because I, I really try to communicate with coaches. I try to ask them what they need. I try to ask for their feedback um, on what I can do to help them. And then just providing those results to, to ask them to look at stats, to ask them, hey, how are we doing on injuries? Have you had any injuries? Are you seeing a trend in this? And just keep that line of communication open um, has just been really helpful for my role. Um, and yeah, I just wish I had more, if I had more time in the day to, to coach, that would be amazing. Um, more than just seventh period and after school right now. but. Um, it's really been, I guess the word is like an optimal <laughs> experience. It definitely could have gone way left. Um, and it didn't, I think really just getting the coaches on board through communicating and then turning around and providing them the, the results that they want to see and that I want to see. And I won't lie, like they will tell you that sometimes they peek in the weight room or they come in and they think that I'm crazy because I have people balancing on one legs and it make, looks like everybody's a flamingo and they're laying on their backs and breathing with their bellies. And they're like, this girl's nuts. But if it's effective and it's giving the results they want, then they're happy and I'm happy and the kids are happy and they want to lift more and that's good. No doubt. No doubt. What do you think 
it does for the relationship building side of things for you to still be in your own personal pursuits and training and to post those things and for those kids to see, you know, your successes, but then potentially even your failures, like how does that help bridge those relationships? Um, or do y'all even talk about it a whole lot? Sometimes. Uh, so I talk, I mean, my dance students, like my team and everything, or well, I guess my team, they know that, you know, I'm still pursuing Olympic lifting. Um, um, you know, my, my athletes know that I still pursue Olympic lifting. I just recently started playing, um, semi-pro football. I am not great at this. Um, but I'm a rookie and I do my best. Um, I think it does help because I know what it's like, especially with the football thing, because I know what it's like to be a beginner at something. I know what it's like to constantly have to receive correction, to um, do things wrong and do it wrong a million times until I get it right. Um, Even in Olympic lifting, and I've been Olympic lifting now for almost 10 years, um, and I still do things wrong. My coach still sends me messages like what are you doing and I'm like I don't know living my best life I don't know um but I think being in that student mindset in my personal life and like where I'm having fun really helps me to be mindful of how I talk to athletes be mindful of how I talk to my dance team um be mindful of what it feels like when you literally feel like you can't do anything right um I do feel because I'm open with my coaches uh, about how I feel on a training day, which sometimes is not great. Um, I feel like, and I hope, and it would appear that my athletes feel comfortable sharing that with me. I will have, you know, and they don't take advantage of it. Um, I don't have kids coming to me every day, like coach, uh, I'm on my period. You were on your period last week, girl, stop it. Um, you know, I'm sorry if I made you feel awkward. Uh, or oh, that's just the realness of of that's the realness of dealing with high school kids. Um, and, and I know that there will be people listening to this episode that completely understand. And you know, it is what it is. I you know, I grew up in a house with my two sisters and my mom, so you know, it's just it's like the 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 Mexican culture celebrates that part of growth in life, right? Like becoming a woman type deal. So yeah, that became like a celebratory thing when that happened for my sister. So it's like, okay, it's, it's part of life. Well, I'm really thankful that like, you know, you you know exactly the type of athlete that I'm talking about, like there's always something wrong. It's always like, oh, I'm hurt. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Right. And like, I'm thankful that because I am like, I'm still training and I'm a student of whatever, whether it's Olympic weightlifting or it's football or it's whatever. I am a student in that realm. So when I come to this coach teacher realm, um, it's just like, 
oh coach, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sore today. I don't think I can work out. I'm like, oh friend, me too. So can we just start then? And it's just, it, it, I think it just really helps to put it in perspective. And because of that, I don't have kids that take advantage of that situation. I can trust that if a, a kid tells me, coach, I, I feel like I'm at a, a three out of a 10 today. I can trust what they say. And maybe today is not the day that we load you up real heavy. Maybe today is the day that we, we back off and we just focus on moving. Um, you know, I, because of that, they don't, they don't take advantage. Um, as far as I know, if any of my students listen to this and you take advantage of me, I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) You've been for fair warned. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that it helps, um, just staying in that mindset where I can, put myself on in their shoes. I'm super hard on myself as a student. I am one of those kids that's like, my husband makes fun of me every day. If I, if I can't try something and be exceptional at it the first time, I don't ever want to do it again. So the fact that I have been a student of Olympic weightlifting and I decided to try to play football and like do all this stuff now, he's like, who even are you? Like, what is happening? Um, but it does really help. It does help, but help help me to put myself in their shoes, especially when they're frustrated. When you talked about the the summer strength conditioning camps and having girls wanting to come back and be the demo, you know, the demo person and whatnot. You as a female in a extremely male dominated industry and profession, what did that mean to you? that they bought in so fast and that they wanted to be on display um, of movements with probably very little understanding of how to do it and then how to repeat it well. Because I think we all, um, as we, as we get older, even, even when we demo stuff hundreds of times, I I know we all still screw up. Um, You know, I've, fall over when I'm trying to demonstrate uh, an RDL, but I've done it five, five times. And I'm at my capacity for the day because yesterday was, you know, a brutal deadlift day or whatever. But it is, it's like you said, I'm sore friend too. So move on, let's go. But what is, what does that mean to you for girls to want to take that ownership and buy in? Um, and have they talked to you about, your your role as strength conditioning and like mentioned anything related to hey maybe I want to do this in college or you know like how, how did you get into this type of stuff um yeah so actually uh, I studied exercise phys in in my master's program and I was a sports studies and dance major in in my bachelor's and um when I left college like I knew I loved the science of sports and the science of exercise and the science of weightlifting. But I didn't really think that it would ever be something that I could pursue at like a high school level. And when I became a teacher, I didn't even think about it because I didn't think that those opportunities were available for high school teachers. Um, And I guess it wasn't until I work at a school where predominantly um, the kids look like me. more often than not, our school is like 99% black and Hispanic. Um, so 
I guess I didn't really think about it until two things actually happened, two notable things. The first thing was, uh, as you know, uh, I, I follow Missy Miss Mitchell Macbeth, who is an absolute icon. And she posted kind of like this tweet on Twitter that was like a challenge to female strength coaches. Uh, and she probably doesn't even know this. So I really hope she listens to this episode and I hope it's not weird, but um, she posted this challenge to female strength coaches. And she was like, if somebody invites you to talk to people or talk in front of people, you have to do it. She was like, you owe it to other females in this profession to be seen. Like we have a responsibility in this role to be seen. And if you're not doing it, then you're, I'm paraphrasing here, but she was like, if you're not doing it, then you're basically like doing a disservice to other women in this industry. And I, I remember thinking like, yikes, Missy at me next time. Okay. Um, and I remember seeing that and thinking that and still kind of being on the fence about it. And then later on that summer, um, I started having girls. I mean, these girls were showing up early. Like I was working with football from nine to 1030 every morning. Um, and then from 1030 to noon, I had girls athletic strength and conditioning. And these girls were showing up at like nine in the morning, ready to like wait for SNC and all this stuff. And I remember being excited about it, but not really thinking about it. I was just like, oh, they just like coming. Like, it's just a fun thing for them to do with their friends, which now that I say this out loud, it sounds really naive and stupid. And it should have occurred to me then, but, um, it didn't until I had one girl and I won't use her name because she's a minor, but we'll call her Jay. And, um, she was literally showing up like an hour early, she, if there was a day she couldn't make it, she would like text me and be like, coach, I can't make it to the morning, but I'll see you in the afternoon. Um, you know, all these things, she started coming double, like, you know, two a days. And she was the girl that first was like, Oh, can I be the demo girl? And you need to know that this little girl is like, she and I are built the same. She probably struggles with all the same things I struggled with when it comes to image and feeling like she belongs and feeling like she fit, fit in and to have, to see her have a place where she just like enjoyed being and she was celebrated for what her body could just do. Cause this little girl is strong. I mean, she came in the first week and her like estimated one, one rep max was like one Oh five on like front squat. And by the, I want to say by the beginning of the semester, um, this year, fall semester, it was like 165. And I was like, Jesus Christ, girl, relax. Um, but she's the one that she, she looks like me. She looks like she could be my little sister. Kids at school literally think that we are related. And she asked me, she was like, coach, how do I get to do your job? Like, how do I get to do what you do? And I was like, you want to do what I do? And I immediately said, you want to teach dance? And she was like, no, like I want to, I want to run a, a weight room too. And I was like, oh, well you can do this and this and this and this. And that's when it kind of really hit home that there are girls who see me and when they see me, they see themselves. 
And as just of kind of like an add-on to what Missy challenged and didn't even know that she was directly challenging me, um, was that on top of that, not only do women have a responsibility to stand up and say, this is what I know, this is who I am, everything like that in this field, but also like women of color make up so few of these roles. I am a very Hispanic woman and I have a responsibility for, to stand up and say, I have this role, I've earned this role and, you know, I look like you. And if I can stand here and if I can um, be knowledgeable in this field and if I can earn the respect of these people, then so can you. Um, and si quieres hablar en español, that's great. Love that for you. Um, and that's important. And it, it just never really like occurred to me until Missy tweeted that. And then that little girl said, how can I be you when I grow up? And that's never happened to me before. I've never had a kid say, how can I stand in your shoes? And that was just really meaningful to me. I remember coming home and telling my husband about it and being like, oh my gosh, like I have to, I have to continue this work because it's important because these kids don't see people that look like them very often. And if they can't see that, then they don't know that they can be that. We're going to end it right there. There's, you can't follow that. You can't follow that up with anything else. That's so beautiful. Thank and you. I'm, I'm proud to be in an association um, that celebrates those things that, that you talked about and being an image for young kids that may or may not see potential um, people that look like them down the road. And, and most importantly, young girls um, that see strong female coaches like you, like Missy, and so many others um, that we've been able to interact with on Twitter and other social medias, like it's important um, because anybody can write a program. It's not, it's, it's challenging. It's not that hard, but to run the program and run it effectively and run it efficiently and to do it in a way where you inspire somebody to want to do it. That's different. That's to me, the mark of a true, good, great elite coach, you know, so kudos to you. Um, that's so awesome. So thank you. If people don't know, how do they follow the, the, the repeat back to some winning hardware for the Apollo Queens? And how would they get back in? How would they get in touch with you if they wanted to dive deeper into uh, your knowledge base, whether it's programming for dance or other athletics or uh, just Olympic weightlifting in general or want outtakes for Yellowstone because um, you're going to have to wait a while, I guess, for the next season. Um, so I guess I'm probably most available on Twitter uh, and everyone can follow me at, at Coach G. That's G-E-E-S-H-S. -E -E um, 
you know, you can follow my Instagram if you want. Uh, it's BB Cakes with five S's. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm always open to have conversations and talk about things and look over things and give suggestions uh, for the next like month and a half or so. We have contests and we have, uh, I tweeted about it earlier this week, but I also do all of our like contest choreographies. So my brain is like, I just don't have that many brain cells. But um, after the second week of March, uh, my life is an open book. Um, and I'm, I just really love like talking with people, especially if they're interested in figuring out ways to implement different things in different ways. Um, you know, even as, as big or as different as like, oh, I'm a choir director and can strength and conditioning help me? Literally, yes, absolutely it can. Um, things like that. I just think that it's such an underutilized resource and I'm really excited and happy to bring it to different people. And I'm very thankful that you had me tonight and um, I'm excited to talk to any and everybody all the time. And you can always talk to me about anything. Uh, Yellowstone, um, musical theater, if you really love Encanto, uh, same.